1: Welcome back to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast. This is going to be a review of the first quarter of 2016. Uh, so January, the global markets just, they started off with a big downturn. Uh, looks like 2016 is going to be very interesting. It has been very interesting. Uh, but Bitcoin is in forward motion and continues to be. Bitcoin was actually actually up when the general markets were down uh, on the podcast I interviewed Rossello Lopez uh, from Brazil. He talked about. I thought the most interesting story he brought up was this uh, hotel operator who he doesn't want to be exposed to the Brazilian real. He doesn't want to be exposed to the Brazilian banking system, both of which are imploding right now. And so he takes sixty percent of his retained earnings and buys Bitcoin every month, about a thousand bitcoins a month, and. You know, that's just, that's a really big use case, that store of value uh, from uh, down in Brazil. Then I had on Eric Lombroso. He talked about segregated witness uh, and testing on that has been full steam ahead, which is very exciting. And he's also uh, built a very secure wallet in Cigna. Then we had Pablo Gonzalez also talking about Brazil and what's going on with the markets down there. Uh, I think it's just so important for people to understand that there are more people in the world who need Bitcoin uh, than their current fiat systems. And uh, it just solves a big, big problem for so many people. Then we had on Wayne Wayne Vaughn from Tyrion. And Tyrion is very interesting. It, go, it uses a Merkle tree and Merkle leaves uh, to create a, a Merkle root, and then that root's hashed and put into the op return. And so it's a way to put notarizations, basically, into the blockchain. And so that's a very interesting use case. And from what I understand, since our interview, uh, Wayne actually raised over a million dollars for Tyrion. Uh, so that's very exciting. February, we had really big... Uh, Just some really big developments. Bitcoin Core 12.0 came out. Uh, Major improvements in this node. There was 7x faster signature validation, the ability to limit upload traffic, so if you want to conserve your bandwidth, uh, crash prevention via the memory pool limits so that uh, people can't just kind of bombard your nodes, Uh, option to send transactions that can then be fee boosted That way you can increase the priority, get them into a block sooner if you need to. Uh, Automatic usage of Tor while Bitcoin Core is running. You know, that's a great improvement help increase some of the privacy. Ability for apps to to subscribe to notifications with zero MQ. Uh, So that's, you know, if we need to be able to get messages out, that's a way to do it. Massively reduced disk usage for wallets. Uh, Much faster block assembly for miners. Uh, So that's going to help with uh, orphan rates and stuff like that. In addition, there are over 13 other improvements. I just don't really have time to go over all of them. Uh, In terms of people we interviewed, I interviewed Mark Friedenbach. He's been a Bitcoin Core developer for, gosh, years now. first time I talked to him was clear back in San Francisco, gosh, quite a few years ago. Uh, Really good interview with him. Uh, also interviewed Evan Duffield. He's the lead developer on the Dash project. So if you want to kind of see what's happening with an altcoin, uh, that's, you know, kind of an an interesting interview. Ironically, uh, we did the interview, Dash was at about $2 and now it's around $7. So it's gone up a little bit more than Bitcoin. (laughs) Uh, Matias Bari, another Brazilian. Uh, i You know, ran into all these Brazilians at the Latin American Bitcoin conference. That's where I like to gather a lot of interviews, if I can, at these conferences. The audio comes out better. Uh, So that's why we had a little bit of a theme there. And then Diego Gutierrez, who's working with Sergio DeLerner. Now, Sergio DeLerner, he's found quite a few critical vulnerabilities in Bitcoin, security uh, researcher. Uh, Those two are working on RootStock. And RootStock looks like it's going to be a really good project. Uh, essentially going to be able to port Ethereum onto Bitcoin. Now, Ether or the Ethereum project, that's another really big topic uh, in the first quarter of 2016. The market cap of Ether actually hit $1.1 billion. Uh, so Ether has just gone tremendous uh, price appreciation. It's gone from about a 40 cent low to about $15 at the high. Uh, And it's just generated a ton of volume on Kraken. Uh, So that's very exciting. And uh, it'll be interesting to see the development that comes out of Ether. Uh, Also, the, the, the speculation. You know, everybody loves to chase the rabbit. Vitalik himself has said that Ether isn't meant to be a speculation tool or a store value tool. So... Uh, I hope there aren't a lot of bag holders with either, but what goes up must come down, right? Uh, anyways, uh, I went to another conference, in, uh, another Bitcoin conference. Unfortunately, I had been traveling and I hurt my throat. And so I wasn't able to get interviews, which is very frustrating. Which is one of the reasons why we only had Edmund Moy. The former director of the United States Mint, Uh, he was our only guest in March. Uh, You know, you got to do what you got to do. Sometimes you hurt your throat. Sorry about that. And I had some people I really wanted to interview, like uh, Marco Strang, the CEO of Genesis Mining. I wanted to interview him. There were a couple other people I wanted to interview, but just couldn't quite do it. Uh, Ether, Ether volume continued strong in March. And I suppose the the really big news at the coming at the end of March, uh, Segregated Witness, uh, the fourth test version on Testnet, it seems to be moving all steam ahead. So that's really exciting. You know, if we can get Segregated Witness rolled out, uh, we're going to see some big developments in Bitcoin. It will enable all types of stuff. We also had uh, something called a Zero Knowledge Contingent Payment. Uh, that got rolled out in the first quarter. Now, this is really interesting because it uses a zero-knowledge proof to make it so that somebody has to pay Bitcoin in order to receive certain information or data. So say you want to sell somebody a prime number. You can can require... uh, Well, you can set a transaction up now... Where somebody has to give you the private keys to move the Bitcoin, or they, in other words, they have to move the Bitcoin, and in order for you to move the Bitcoin, you have to provide that that prime number or that that piece of data or information that they want, and so that's a really cool use case for Bitcoin. Uh, it could have implications for digital rights management, uh, a lot of other areas, and you know that's that's very exciting. Another thing that I kind of want to talk about is uh, like Tyrion, for example, begins using Bitcoin and the blockchain for non-monetary uses. Now, this is kind of the fifth network effect of developers, right? And usually when I talk about developers, I'm talking about people actually working on the code. Uh, But it also extends to people working on stuff around the code, for example working on a wallet or working on an exchange and you have to build code that integrates bitcoin as opposed to dogecoin like that's developer effect uh, also, I suppose regulators or lawyers or accountants getting familiar with one as opposed to another is another form of network effect that fits in that area. Professionals might be a broader category than just developers, you know, lawyers, accountants, uh, computer developers, other stuff. So we've got some of these use cases like Tyrion. And there's another one uh, that Ryan Shea and Muneev Ali, Dr. Muneev Ali from uh, One Name, that they're working on called Blockstack. And it looks really interesting because it's going to, if it's really successful, it'll change the way that miners get rewarded. And so miners could actually be getting rewarded more than just the block reward and more than just the transaction fees. They could be getting paid uh, for these particular use cases that would come out of Blockstack. And... Uh, that could get really exciting because, you know, as that as that mining reward increases, it incentivizes more miners to secure the blockchain. So then, you know, we have the most secure blockchain, which reinforces that fifth network effect of people building out stuff like Tyrion and uh, Blockstack, etc. So that's really exciting. So overall, you know, it's been a very good first quarter. Uh, Bitcoin Classic, by the way, came and went. Uh, hardly heard a peep out of it so uh, you know all this uncertainty that uh, people like Mike Hearn our our whiny rage quitter (laughs) uh, it was interesting what happened there Uh, Mike Hearn sold all his Bitcoins then he writes this big nasty article uh, so effectively he front runs everybody and then the price of Bitcoin drops so you know just to yeah that's kind of real nice of him right uh, but Bram Cohen, the, who created BitTorrent, he writes this article about whiny rage quitting. Uh, and that's what Mike Kern did. And so I think what we're seeing is that there were uh, some people who were interests that wanted to accomplish certain things in Bitcoin. And uh, they got rejected, like denied. And uh, they had to leave. You know, And I think there was probably a lot of money behind them. A lot of Bitcoins that probably got sold in all of the turmoil and whatnot. But I think that they've largely, uh, they're out of the project now. Maybe they're over in Ethereum. We've seen a lot of uh, articles like Nathaniel Popper w- wrote something in the New York Times, uh, very positive on Ethereum, kind of negative on Bitcoin. So this whole, whole R3 contingent that Mike Hearn works for, uh, you know, they might have r- just realize they couldn't get what they wanted done in Bitcoin, and so they're going to have to go somewhere else now. Uh, either way, I think it's a good thing for Bitcoin. You know, it's a way to kind of cleanse the, uh, the community, uh, see how well the immune system works. And uh, so, we, you know, if we get rid of that uncertainty, if we have the block reward have in about, gosh, only three to four months now, looks like gonna be mid to early July that is I think going to have a very big impact on the price part of it is it's pretty much impossible for us to determine the stock to flow ratios on on Bitcoin and so we don't we don't have a way to calculate or figure out the price elasticity of demand for the transactional demand component in uh, the transactional demand component that the the actual price of the coin is completely irrelevant. Uh, You know, whether it's a nickel or $10,000, you transfer the value over Bitcoin equally as well. Or you're able to use things like Tyrion or Blockstack equally as well. And so then it just leaves a speculative demand component. uh, And, you know, that speculative demand can turn on a dime, you know, if all of a sudden people aren't worried about whiny rage quitting Mike or, uh, all this uncertainty with regards to that stuff, and they decide, you know what? I'm going to buy a bunch of bitcoins. Or we have people like Rosella Lopez's friend in Brazil, who's buying a thousand bitcoins a month just to store it as a store of value. And there was another person from Mexico who's doing the same thing, only with fifty bitcoins a month. You know, these small business owners in countries that do they do not have infrastructure, financial infrastructure. Uh, you know, speculative demand coupled with a big restriction in the supply of the float uh, and the transactional demand increases because of additional use cases, we can see some pressure on the supply-demand uh, area, which could lead to a rise in price, which I don't think it's possible to really calculate that in advance. Uh, we don't know what this trans- We We don't have a way to figure out the the elasticity of demand for transactional demand. And anytime we've seen big, big changes when it comes to that supply, that transactional dem- that transactional supply of coins, there's been a major, major move in the price. Uh, for example, the first halving, you know, 13 bucks to 266 bucks within about a two to three month period. Uh, the Silk Road coins got getting seized. Uh, sixty dollars at the low to thirteen hundred dollars a couple months later uh, when you think about it you know the government bought what a hundred they, they they confiscated over a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin and you know sure silk Road is down but then other dark markets popped up. Well guess what people had to go out and buy a hundred million dollars of Bitcoin so they they the transactional demand component of the the supply demand equation and price went up because you know you had to sucker people out of their bitcoins and in order to do that you had to offer a higher price uh out of their speculative demand bitcoins that is and then it becomes kind of a self-reinforcing loop and then you know you get a blow off top and then uh correction and and all that stuff but you know so i think you know we're gonna have another we're gonna have another mining Uh, reward have it's going to go from 25 every 10 minutes to 12 and a half that's you know going to be a big change and uh, so going to be interesting to see what happens as a result of it Uh, i think uh, you know we've got very kind of blue skies for the rest of 2016 there's a solid roadmap in place by the bitcoin core team which is comprised of over 300 contributors to Bitcoin, you know, a couple of them do the heavy lifting like Peter Wola, uh, Greg Maxwell, etc. Um, but, you know, overall, Bitcoin Core's got a good roadmap going forward. Block Reward's going to have, it's going to put the inflation rate of Bitcoin at about 4.9%, which is going to be lower than all but about maybe 20 currencies in the world. Uh, so... You know we're not we're not dealing with a double digit inflation rate anymore. And when you're talking about that transactional demand component, when you're when you're shoving so many new coins into that coins that in a lot of cases have to be sold in order to pay bills like electricity and hardware uh, and things of that nature, um, you know it's it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting uh, Q3 and Q4 of 2016 with Bitcoin, I personally think the price is uh, going to go up and it's been a great time to be accumulating, but I think I think we're going to see the price kind of go up, maybe plateau, correct, uh, but it's going to be, you know, it's going to be good. So anyways, that is kind of my update for the first quarter of 2016. I'd recommend going back and listening to some of the interviews if you haven't uh, listened to them already. I like to give the guests the exposure, uh, share it with your friends uh, as always. Oh, and I think I mentioned in the 2015 year in review about how I put up a resources page on bitcoin.kn where I have a bunch of kind of hacks that I found very helpful and how you could kind of throw a little bit of change in the tip jar by clicking on those links and then anything you buy at Amazon over the next 24 hours uh, help support the show. I just like to thank everybody who uh, who did that. You know, we we've seen uh, a little bit of money come in. It helps pay the audio editor, which saves everybody time. Uh, so you know, thanks for doing that. And if you want to throw some more uh, change in the tip jar, uh, that'd be great. So thanks so much. Have a wonderful uh, rest of the year. And that's the uh, first quarter 2016 wrap up.
0: to get a copy of the Free Bitcoin Guide at FreeBitcoinGuide.com. Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate.